RadioInfluence.com. Let me just stop playing with it, man. It's uh, DJ Eakin here, Tampa's most connected DJ. Another edition of what I like to call, or should I say, what we have aptly named this, uh, Hip Hop Study Hall, the podcast. And uh, today's going to be interesting today to me. I So I hope that it's just as interesting to you as um, I have a guy that I heavily respect. And, and and what's crazy is we haven't even thought of an actual name for your segment all the way yet. But what I wanted to get you in here because um, there's there's like what I call a lot of hood talk going on, right? right. And to me, the problem I have with all of that, and I, and I just want to explain these things as, I, as we keep developing and keep going further into this hip hop study hall thing is I don't feel like, and you may know this, and, and maybe I should pause here and say your name, um, William Frankie. And that's not even how it's spelled. That is not how it's spelled at all. And nope. spell the last name just so we can... F-R-A-N-C-H-I. So more like Franchi, except for it's Italian. So C-H-I is key. Right. A-K-A, the law father. Absolutely. There you go. Um, and we'll get into, too, some things that you do as well. But I, I want everybody to understand that the law father will be making multiple appearances here on the podcast if he's open to it. Because I am trying to... And, and this is what I was getting at a second ago. My problem with what's going on now in hip hop a lot of times is we have lost what I call the OG. Now, maybe in laws, there's such a thing as the OG. And I mean, I mean, because here's here's the thing about the OG. And and, and this is the, I'm from the Bronx, right? The OG is the older kid or the older guy on the block who who knows what they've done in their life. It may not have all been good, but they look out for the next generation. Right. So. Right. I was this heavy sports kid growing up, baseball, basketball, but always coming outside with a ball in my hand. Me and my boy Peanut or me and my cousin Corey, everything was we after school, change clothes as quick as I could on the elevator ride to the 14th floor. Sometimes have my clothes halfway <laughs> off in the elevator, change clothes, I'm back outside doing something, stick ball, something, anything, right? Um, and these dudes were doing whatever they were doing on the block. And it wasn't always things that you want to tell your mother. Right. But what they always told me was, hey, man. Don't you got a game today? Don't you got practice? Hey, man, get off the block, bro. Go go to practice. And it always was like that encouraging because to me, well, they've even said it to me a couple of times. Even when I go back now, they'll be like, you were the one that we felt had a chance. So we didn't want you out here on the block into this. You know, and it's easy for me to get you into because I show you a few dollars. I show you some rims on a car. You're going to be like, I can get this easy money, too. And then you're mixed up, right? Right. So what I feel like keeps happening in the hip hop thing is all these things, they hit the Internet. And they are these stories, they are, you know, by the time they hit a barbershop, a beauty salon, a nail salon, me and you run into each other in a coffee shop, there's eight variations of what's really going on, and then there's actually what I call facts. Right. Right? Absolutely. Right. So when I when I called you about this first one here that I wanted to bring you in on, I don't know if intrigued is a bad way to put it, because people would be like, Ekin, why are you intrigued by this R. Kelly story? Um, the first part of it that intrigues me is, first of all, how it's been going on for so long. Long that, time. Yeah, since, what, 1992, R. Kelly makes his first appearance on the music scene. She's got that vibe, born into the 90s, comes out of the gate. And back then he had public announcements, which was essentially background guys to fill the room because it's still, according to what I got, R. Kelly was doing everything. Yep. Right? Makes this big splash. And then, um, 1993, he drops 12 play. And that's when we get, which I'm sure everybody knows now, I say nothing wrong with a little bump and grind, right? Um, he gets bump and grind, your body's calling, and R. Kelly's a superstar, right? Now, 
I can say, knowing a few people that I know, there were some rumors. I wouldn't say 93, but for a long time that R. Kelly um, has a gander or, you know, has a has a, you know, has a has a liking for the younger persuasion woman. Like I've heard it put like this. You can put R. Kelly in a room full of women and he will find the youngest one and pick her out. Mm. Haven't seen it personally, but that's what I've got. Now, August 1994, and I'm giving a quick timeline here as we keep moving through this. R. Kelly and Aaliyah. Now, R. Kelly marries Aaliyah. R. Kelly is 27 at the time. Aaliyah is 15. Her birth certificate somehow got changed, and on the marriage license, she's listed as 18 years of age. Now, this is where I had my very first big question that I want to bring to you that I saw. And, and, and anybody who's, 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 who's um, listening to this right now or watching this on YouTube, I'm guessing that by now you've seen Surviving R. Kelly. You've seen the news reports on this. So if you haven't, then that's where I'm at right now. Because in the Surviving R. Kelly documentary, which I watched from beginning to end the first time it came on, and I was felt like I was in a big living room full of women that were like, if I remotely said the wrong thing, I might have got scorched on it. Because I said something on there, too. I was like, you know, when his wife said... He didn't even ask her to marry him. He just, she walked in somewhere and they were getting married. And I was like, well, can't you just say no? And I'm saying women from everywhere was like, it ain't that easy, Eakin. And they were giving me this lesson. Whoop-de-whoop. That ain't where I'm trying to go right now. Where I'm trying to go is, because I have a big problem with this whole thing, because R. Kelly couldn't have done all of this stuff by himself. He just, he, it just was too much going on, too much hiding, too much stuff going on for R. Kelly to have done all of this without help. Now, in the documentary, this is not something that I'm thinking happened. There was a guy sitting in the documentary that's sitting there getting interviewed, and he says, I'm the one who changed her age on the birth certificate. First question, why are people like this guy not being charged is it because of this was 1994 and we're in 2021 now so you can tell this story freely or i'll, I'll give it to you yeah so I, I mean let's just take a quick step back because okay because i gave a lot right there you I did, did you did give a lot <laughs> and, and the the very first thing was it being intriguing and one of the things i like to bring up and when i'm ever ever talking about legal stuff we're always talking about bad things but they're usually very intriguing and, and I get excited about it and I generally try to qualify it because it's like the bad things that happen in the world right. are very exciting on the legal side. So we walk in and I think this is a, a topic that, that kind of exemplifies this. We walk in knowing it's a bad topic, right? but it's something that we can have a really detailed and interesting discussion about. Right. So we'll start there. Okay. <laughs> um, I think there's a really, very simple answer to the Aaliyah question and the changing of the birth certificate, my guess is without actually looking at that state's statute of limitations, that it's beyond the statute of limitations. So therefore no case could be brought against them because it's beyond the time that they would be able to. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because R. Kelly didn't get, that's none of the charges that he's in for now at all. No, but that, that statute of limitations concept is going to come up as we look at this again and again and again. Right, because all this stuff was, well, what he's beginning, how the pattern started is way 
a long time ago as we get more into this timeline. Correct. But this is all going to tie together. <laughs> I got you. Okay. Okay. Well, well, let's move through the timeline a little bit more. We're, we're at August 94. Like you said, the R. Kelly Aaliyah thing, right? The marriage is annulled the following year after Aaliyah's family becomes aware of it. Now, let me take your lawyer hat off for a second because you're also a dad. Right. Your daughter's 15. Luckily, I don't have a daughter. So well, two boys. So okay, two luckily boys. I don't have, but, and two boys. But let's we even, can go daughter route. Well, daughter, uh, here's what I want to go. Let's go 15-year-old route. Okay. As a parent, 15-year-old route, I get it. Your daughter has a dream, and now it's finally happening with the biggest guy in R&B, pretty much. Well, maybe not the biggest because I think, you know, there's still some, some living great legends at this time. But he's definitely in the top 10, right? Right. And things are happening. Here's another part of this story that, not exactly on the legal side, but bothers me. R. Kelly's managers are Barry and Joe Moore Hankerson. They are nephew and and um uncle, I mean uncle and cousin to Aaliyah. Now, I don't know everything about Jason. Like, Jason's my guy. He takes care of me in here, right? Right. But if, you know, and this isn't true, this isn't happening, <laughs> but if I'm in here with Jason, and I'm in here a lot, I start to see some habits that Jason has, right? If you're this guy's manager and you found him, you discovered him, you know some of the habits of this guy. A little bit. That's, that's what you I'm thinking. You have an idea. Right. And and you just you just don't seem like you leave your 15-year-old niece unsupervised with this guy on the regular because you know some things. And also, this hasn't been said a lot, but there's an actual video of R. Kelly when they're interviewing him and he's talking about Aaliyah when he says that she's like 12 or 13 or something like that. He clearly knows that she's not 18. Right. You understand what I'm saying? So, let's put your dad cap on for a minute. Should it take you any amount of months to figure out that this thing should get annulled? I, and this is totally off from the law side. Right. This this is a dad question because this all is intriguing to me, all the things that are wrapped up in here. Yeah, I, I mean, it's not taking me months. It's not taking me hours, I don't think. <laughs> Boom! I, I mean, I don't even really want to put on a recording what would happen after that. <laughs> right. But, yeah, it's not taking me a whole long time to figure it out. Right. And then I'm like, where does my how did my daughter even get that far away from me that there's a ceremony and stuff and I don't know anything about it now? I, I don't know. I'm going to mean, what, I guess here's the thing. Was it local or did they go somewhere? Because maybe if it's local and hey, I'm going out with Sally down the street and you go for I'm staying over there overnight. Maybe. Maybe, 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 but, but I'm still on the fact that your daughter's 15 and, well, yeah. there, and even though she's starting this career, we know that we've heard the stories about the music industry and your brother and my nephew and your nephew are also his manager. So, well, and, and, and you know, the music industry better than I do for sure. But don't the managers generally know more about the artist than pretty much anywhere else? Anybody else? I, I pretty I, much can. I, I pretty much am betting that Scooter knew a whole <laughs> lot about Justin that people just, you know what I'm saying? That yeah. he just, cause he helped develop it. Right. You know, okay, so so now we move to 1996. R. Kelly gets married. Marries dancer, choreographer, Andrea Lee in a private ceremony. December 1996. Now, according to this CNN timeline that we got, it says legal troubles begin. I'm thinking the legal troubles had already started back when he <laughs> married Aaliyah that was 15 years old. It could just be me. But no charges or anything pressed. And from what I understand, this ain't on the CNN timeline, but some inside stuff says... Eh, maybe somebody got paid off in there and that's why it didn't become a big deal. Well, and what's interesting is, and I don't know New York law like I know Florida law, right? but in Florida, it's not up to 
the underage individual, whether or not they want to press charges, not actually up to the parents. It's actually up to law enforcement and the state attorney. So uh, it would fall under the quote unquote statutory rape. Right. Right. And so it doesn't matter. You could be, oh, I love him. I love him. I love him. I don't want anything to happen. Well, no, it doesn't matter because this is what the law says. Law says it either is or it isn't. And we can prosecute. So kind of interesting that nothing happened there. Right. Because that was going to be one of my next questions. Right. Because in a lot of these things making headlines. Right. Um, um, Jim Derogatis and a guy named... uh, Palish, because you know I'll mess a name up, published a first report in the Chicago Sun-Times with allegations of Kelly having sexual relationships with girls as young as 15. Article outlines the Hawkins suit as well as Kelly's, Kelly's marriage to Aaliyah. According to the story, Chicago police had twice investigated allegations that Kelly was having sex with an underage girl, but dropped the investigations because the girl would not cooperate. Now, that's that's I guess where my question comes in, and I, and I know you were, you kind of explained it a little bit there. Like these things, and as we get more into this, right? Like there's a there's a tape that emerges in January two thousand one, right? The tape because they thought it was an underage girl was turned over to police. More legal troubles in August of two thousand one. Tracy Sampson, an aspiring rapper. Former intern at Epic Records files a lawsuit against Kelly, claiming he initiated a sexual relationship with her when she was 17. Here's my question about this one right here, because this case was settled out of court for an undisclosed sum. And again, you may not know about this part. because you, you just made it clear, like laws different in different places. Right. So it's, is it not a universal law in the United States that if a, if this happens with an underage uh, person that the cops can just prosecute, even if there's something settled out of court? Right. So when you come to the, to that area of law, it's all state specific. Ah, okay. And if you look at the charges that they were actually just to fast forward a little bit, mm-hmm. they're not state specific charges that they used in order to get them there. It's from a legal standpoint, right? This is extremely interesting and I don't want to go too far ahead. Right. Um, but I can tell you in terms of from the victim side of things in, in terms of needing victim cooperation, from having worked in law enforcement and having investigated these types of cases in the past, right? it's difficult sometimes because, yeah, you may know something happened, but you still have to prove something happened. So if you jump back to Aaliyah for a second, right? we know they got married. Mm-hmm. We can make the assumption that there was some illegal sexual activity that was going on, but we don't know that, uh-huh. right? So yes, we, we know it, right? Because you, know, you would assume that that's what happened. Right. There's no evidence. There's nothing to go, yeah, that definitely happened. And, and that's the difference there. And that's what can make some of these things a little bit tougher. You know? And a lot of times it's a he said, she said type of thing, which makes it you know, so much harder. And then you have R. Kelly and you know, not to get too far ahead of it, but it's like, it's R. Kelly, right? right? I, I mean, it, when we were growing up, R. Kelly, it was like, this, how and I don't mean for this to sound terrible, but from a guy's perspective, right? right. How could this be? And this was like when there was like one or two, right? right. How could this be true? He's R. Kelly. Why would R. Kelly need to hook up with a 14-year-old? Right. And that's where, that's what just didn't make sense. And so sometimes on the law enforcement side, you have to sift through some of those things. You know, hindsight's a great thing. Now, looking back, we can go. Yeah, this clearly was a problem for, what is it, close to 20 years. Right. <laughs> but in the moment, it's maybe not quite the pattern that it is. Yeah, and, and, and you, you, you make some very valid points there about, you know, just 
our perception of it out here looking in because and and i guess you also just cleared up something there's some real truth to the law and order statement when they go it's not what you know it's what you can prove right you know and and i guess that's what every prosecutor goes up against because you're supposed to be able to prove without a reasonable doubt and that's you know that's fair and then looking at this other side of this you're right like and and i don't want women to ever take this wrong but as guys we're human we're like this is R. Kelly. Why would he have to take any? Right. Like every woman is, these women are throwing everything at R. Kelly. You know, and, and like you said, now hindsight, me in 2020, we're looking like he didn't really have to, but he chose to. Right. You know, according to the evidence, he just, not that he had to, because he could walk downstairs and any woman in Chicago or any state was like, my mind ain't telling me no, R. Kelly, you can have this. Yes. My body's saying yes. And yeah. he was choosing the route that he was choosing. Right. Okay. I hope everybody's keeping up because the timeline's <laughs> moving fast. February 2002, R. Kelly denies allegations. Okay, now we got it. And this is where it started to get interesting, right? The girl in the video was then 17. And this is the girl from the infamous R. Kelly was peeing on her video. Now, right. And if you, haven't, if you haven't seen the video, you don't necessarily need the city video. But if you'd like to get some concept, you got to get some, some thoughts on it. You can Google Dave Chappelle, Chappelle Show, R. Kelly, pee on me. Um, that'll give you the, you know, that'll give you the gist of it. And I don't mean to make light of this, but I, I just have to look at the, the I, is, there, is there a brighter side that I could be looking at? I'm not sure. Am I wrong for even thinking there's a brighter? Well, he's caught now. Let's, that's, that's the bright side. That, that is the brighter side. And, and quite frankly, he kind of fits the pattern of guys that do this. It just so happens that he's famous. Ah, The guys that do this, and, well, I guess there's not a whole lot of girls that do this. I think it's a really male-dominated right. crime, right? It tends to be over and over and over and over again. So at least now maybe we're stopping it right. for him. I mean, the, the problem is, is it's not a problem I think that's ever going to be eradicated. But that's probably another show topic, <laughs> maybe multiple show topic. Could be. <laughs> okay, so the girl in the video, she's now 17 and identified by her aunt, who said that her niece would have been 14 at the time that the tape was made, based on her appearance. Uh, Kelly also can be heard on the tape referring to the girl by her first name. Kelly denies the allegations, and this is where it kind of got interesting, too, in barbershop talk, because we heard everything from R. Kelly saying it was his brother <laughs> to that ain't me in the video. We like we looking at the video, bro. This is you. And, and, and this is what this is. This is the talk that we're having. Right. It's not true, says R. Kelly. All I know is this. I have a few people in the past that I fired people that I've thought were my friends. That's not my friends. It's crap. And that's how we're going to treat it. Now, this is February 2002, which puts us to 19 years ago. And when I think about the 19 years, my issue with that is. This dude is getting away. And now we got 19 more years or let's say 17 more years because he's been locked up for a minute. Let's say 17 more years of chaos going on because he got out of this. Yeah. Well, and what's even more interesting, there was some the number was in the teens, the amount of witnesses they had that identified the girl. And the jury did not believe it. No. I don't even know where to go with this next part of this question because is there a way, I mean, is there a legal way to combat that or that that's just, that's, you just have to convince the jury and if they're not convinced, you just have to live with that verdict. It, and that that's exactly what it is. I mean, the problem is you never know what a jury is going to do, right? So you can try, in this case, I think there was 15 or 16 people out there to go, this is her, this is her, this is her. Well, if they don't believe it, that's it, right? If they're of that mindset, and this was back in 02 when R. Kelly was still, you know, pretty high up on the charts, He's and R. Kelly. still that same concept of, 
it's R. Kelly. He doesn't need to do that. He, he just walk out his front door, right. right? And I think you still have that mentality that could pervade through that. And then all of a sudden, here it is. We don't we don't believe all those however many there were that was in the teens that that was her. And it doesn't say this here, and I didn't have a chance to, to to look this part up. But did she testify and say it was her, or did she deny it was her as well? I don't know. I don't think she testified, but I don't gotcha. know. I didn't see. I didn't get into that okay. detail on that one. Okay, that and that may be something I need to look up later to for this for this story. Okay, and then um, March two thousand two. The tape hit the streets of New York, hit the, hit the streets all over the country, bootlegged everywhere, and we all saw it. And we were all like, we don't know R. Kelly personally, but this is R. Kelly. You know, this is, our, this is look, man, this is R. Kelly. This is you, R. Kelly. But he still said it wasn't him. But April 2002, sued again Patrice Jones, who alleged that she was 16 when she began a sexual relationship with R. Kelly. Now, when these people get these lawsuits settled, is that an admission of guilt by R. Kelly and his team, or can you get some clarity on that? So, no, it's not going to be a, hey, yeah, I did it, so I'm settling. Uh, every settlement agreement I've ever read says this is done without any any admission of guilt or fault or anything else. And what it comes down to is the criminal side is different from the civil side, right? And the example that I'll use a lot is the O.J. case, right? Remember, O.J. was not convicted in the criminal case but was found to be at fault uh, of the two killings in the civil case, right? right? So you make a business decision. You go, okay, do I pay somebody and be done with the civil case, get them to sign a release and get them to say, hey, I'm not saying it's my fault. I'm just getting done with this because this is what's in my best interest. And a lot of times you'll have a confidentiality agreement in those as well that really says you can't talk about it. Right, but legally... He's not admitting that he's guilty of anything. He's making this is the part I want to make clear because in you know in barbershop talking, which is what I definitely am glad that you're here to help clear <laughs> up, right? And barbershop talk is, well, you know, man, he settled the case. He gotta be guilty. That right. ain't what it's saying. That is not what it's saying at all. And and there's actually a level of when I evaluate cases when they come in our door, right, that I'll go. This case has enough pieces to it that are really bad for the other side that I'm not really too concerned although i am concerned is their fault on the defendant right in this case it would be r kelly right right but only a little little bit right and all i gotta do is prove that maybe just maybe he was a little bit at fault because the allegations are so huge they're so salacious they're they're something that you don't ever want to hit the streets right so sometimes that can come into the evaluation but that doesn't mean that that person actually did it right it just means that you can show just enough that you think that he did and he goes Oh God, this could turn really bad for me. And it, you know, a lot of it, like I said before, business decision. Can I get out by paying two hundred thousand versus paying two million? If a jury goes off the rails and they go two million dollars, well, I should have taken that two hundred thousand dollars because it's a heck of a lot less, right. right? So there's a lot of that aspect that comes into it that has really nothing to do with fault. And and it, there's no point being bottom line. Answer your question directly. There is no fault associated with that whatsoever that's not him saying yeah i did it but i'm gonna pay out okay and here, here's another question with that one because um and i saw this I'm, i must be watching too much bad tv or something <laughs> but i saw this on impeachment right and i'm watching the impeachment thing about bill clinton and the monica Lewinsky thing and there's a there's a piece in there where um bill clinton is about to settle with one of the first women before monica Lewinsky, right and it was like a seven hundred thousand dollar thing but then it's brought up that it's not really bothering Bill. 
because he's got this insurance set on the side that pays for these kind of things. Do, is there is that what a lot of entertainers have? Like maybe there's a, and I'm, you may or may not know this, but it's for richer, or what should I say, more well-off people. that Because nowadays it seems like we just sue for anything, right? So right. Is, there, is there insurance that people just have for stuff like that? Like if I get sued, this is how this is taken care of. I mean, there's insurance for pretty much everything. Gotcha. So this specifically, well, I doubt there, for, in the R. Kelly situation, there's not likely to be insurance specifically tailored to that, but likely there's something that he would have kind of on the back end. So like in sports, you see it, there's injury insurance, right? Um, Lloyd's of London writes all these kind of weird policies that you would never think of. Rihanna's legs. I heard about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Giveaways, right? Giveaways at football, at pro football games and things like that. Oh, look, they're giving all away a million dollars. Yeah. They're not actually giving away a million dollars. They, they're paying some sort of insurance that then pays if somebody wins that. So, I mean, chances are yes, because there's insurances for literally everything. <laughs> this is, I think we're unraveling some things here, I, I, I think, because like I said, you're straightening some things out that I'm learning here for sure. So I know someone else has to be has to be catching some things because that and that's that's what it was to me. So moving along through through this R. Kelly thing, we're in May of 2002 right now, right? Tina Woods. And here's the crazy thing. For some crazy reason, I think I know this person. But I can't be 100% sure, but I think I do. Kelly, she sues Kelly after she alleges he secretly taped their sexual encounter and the tape was being sold. Representatives for R. Kelly call the suit ridiculous and non nonsensical, if that's the word. The case is let her settle out of court for an undisclosed sum. June 2002. Now we're getting to be some real problems because R. Kelly is indicted on 21 charges related to child pornography resulting from the second uh, anonymously sent videotape of him appearing to have sex with a young girl. The singer is arrested at his Florida vacation home. Kelly maintains his innocence and is released on bail. The first question I want to ask here is, we're still dealing with state charges here. Right. Right? Right. Is that what has, in your opinion, been the difference in all of the things that have happened to him before as opposed to now? We'll go with yes without any detail because I don't want to spoil anything for you. Okay. Okay. So, (laughs) but these charges here, this, this is 21 charges. He didn't go to jail. That's a lot of charges for that. It's usually, those are relatively easy to prove because it's either there or it's not there. Right. right? And, And so... Kind of coincidentally, I did a, a search warrant when I was with the sheriff's office with FDLE, and it was for a child porn case, right? They would they bring us a, and us local guys to provide security for them as we would, we would breach the door for them, go in, and then they would do their thing. Right. They literally would take the guy's laptop, put it on the table, and they would swipe through the pictures, and they would go, yep, nope, yep, nope, kind of like Tinder, yes and no, mm-hmm. right? So, And what they were doing yes and no to was... If it was clear that the person was a minor, it was a yes. If there was any question at all, it was a no. So when you think about when you hear this, we're, ta- we're not talking about the guy who's looking at a picture, right? And mm-hmm. getting a picture in and going, oh yeah, I think she's 18. No, because those go in the no, no category because they don't know who these people are. Right. Right. It's when you can clearly look at it and see, oh yeah, this person is definitely under 18. That's where the chart, that's where the counts come from. So think about it from that perspective. So how does he get out of that? How do like he got out of that though? 
when you have money, well, legal teams can be really good and work a lot of wonders. Okay. Well, <laughs> um, May 2008, that same trial, jury selection finally begins, but it was reduced now to 14 charges. June 2008, he's acquitted. After the jury deliberates, deliberates for a day. His wife divorced him in January 2009. Um, protest him in July 2014 because people are just, you know, they're just like, yo, man, I'm tired, man. Like, like you know, um, they're just fed up with R. Kelly. Um, the Stars planned a performance at a Fashion Meets Music Festival in Columbus, Ohio. is canceled after protests. People of Columbus don't feel that R. Kelly's reputation was reflective of their community. Took to social media to adamantly express their opinions. The festival's communications director says in a statement, heard their concerns and took action. No more R. Kelly. Okay. December 2015, R. Kelly storms out of an interview with HuffPost Live after the host asked him questions about past allegations of misconduct. Now it's starting to get interesting because here we go. July 2017, BuzzFeed publishes an explosive article outlining allegations that R. Kelly is holding a group of adult women against their will as part of what some of their parents say is a cult. Right? They're saying their daughters are between the ages of 18 and 31, right? So here's the first thing with that. Legally, there's no minors involved here according to the ages. Right. Um, this is where, to me, I started seeing stuff, like the stuff that was in the uh, the um, Surviving R. Kelly thing, right? And I'm going to skip a few things here because in January 2019, Surviving R. Kelly debuts, Right. Big ratings renews a call for the R. Kelly investigation. R. Kelly's attorney, as he should, says R. Kelly's done nothing wrong. Someone with an agenda has done a hit piece. Kelly's out in public. He's not hiding. There's no secret compound with sex slaves. February 2019, R. Kelly's hit with new charges. Cook County, Illinois, indicts R. Kelly on 10 counts of aggravated criminal sex abuse, a class two felony involving four alleged victims. This indictment accuses Kelly of sexual acts with three children older than 13, but younger than 17. There is no age range listed for one of the victims. The singer pleads not guilty. Kelly is jailed on February 22nd, released on February 25th on 100K bail. Now, 19, 2019 of March, March 2019. And this is what everybody really started to see. <laughs> he does the Gail King interview. I'm tired of the lies. Storms all over the place. It's kind of crazy. Now, Cook County Grand Jury issues an 11-count indictment on new charges ranging from aggravated criminal sexual assault and criminal sexual assault to aggravated criminal sexual assault. This is May 2019. Then all of a sudden, in July of 2019, is when the feds come running in. Now, Again, let's go back to barbershop talk. Barbershop talk is when the feds come, they 80 to 85% sure. They are ready. Like, they not playing. They not like the state. Right there. Let's start right there. What is the difference in the May 2019 charges or the charges that were before that by the state? And all of a sudden, how did we get to federal indictments? All right. So let's take 2019 real okay. quick. It's actually still active. So what I would guess happened is, is when the feds came in, they took over and it told the time for the Cook County stuff. So they just basically took the Cook County stuff and put it off to the side and said, we'll revisit this when the Fed case is done. Right. Okay. So um, 
that's still going on. But the Fed case is where it gets super interesting because all the state cases, the Cook County case, which is Illinois, Minnesota has a state case as well that is falling in that same category. It's, I don't, I'm about to say something that's going to come across really bad and I don't mean it to, okay? Right? Because anytime you have sexual abuse and sexual battery and everything else, it's really bad. Right. Okay. But those state cases are your garden variety, sexual battery, child pornography, all those things. The feds did something incredibly different when they did their charges. There's actually, from what I found, there are no sexual battery charges encompassed within what they did, what they charged him with. Right. And I'm going to let you explain this, but things that I just saw that jumped out at me. I saw conspiracy. I saw Rico. To me, and again, I'm I'm not a lawyer, which is why I wanted you to come here and and sit and talk to me about this. These things seem to me like what they went after, like major drug figures with these charges, right? These kind of charges. Is this, in your opinion, as a lawyer, the only way that they felt like they was going to stop R. Kelly from what he from getting away? Well, it was the feds really only ability to right because they're the feds and, and there's not really. There, there's some things now with, with human trafficking and things, but for the you, you come down to this. I'm trying to think of the best way to explain it without getting too legally on it. Okay. okay. The feds have to have what's called uh, an impact to interstate commerce. Okay. So what that means is you have to cross state lines, right? Boom. And, and I've been involved in federal trials and, you know, to take it back to the barbershop talk, if you will, you'll hear guys that get get uh, pinched on a, a federal gun charge, right? And you go, well, how do they get pinched on this federal gun charge? Because they were here in the state of Florida. Well, what they do is they go, that gun was manufactured in Georgia, was brought across state lines into Florida, and you had it in Florida. Therefore, the interstate commerce clause is satisfied, and the feds can pick it up. Okay? So that's how parts of it work. But... If you want me to get into it right now, I can get into the kind go, of the, the nitty gritty details Let's go. of Let's go. Of We're these here charges. now. Let's go. So, We're here now. All right. One of the this is the most interesting one of all the there, I don't know which one's most interesting, but there is the man act. Okay. And it's not M A N like uh, like a male man. Uh, it's a it's from nineteen ten. The congressman, his last name was Man, M A N N. And what it was meant to address, they called it the White Slavery Act. Which, which was talking about prostitution, and apparently they had human trafficking back in 1910 as well. Um, they were bringing them from other countries and doing different things, and that's where that act came from. It, the problem with it was, it was a very racially driven act. I mean, look, 1910 was a whole lot it different. Is, it was what it is. Right. I mean, what it yeah. was. Right, exactly. Right. So what's kind of interesting is, is you have R. Kelly, who's black, that is... He satisfied all eight pieces of the Mann Act, of which was originally decried as being a very racist act against black people. So it's interesting from that perspective. But and I've never, I've never heard this part. So it's, it's you're right. The, escal- the escalation of interest has gone like this right <laughs> yeah. now. So and it's it's rarely used. In 1986, they made some changes to the act. So. Prior to that, it was really a morality thing. And in 1986, the U.S. government said, we're not going to get in the business of morality. And that's where it had become really racial right up to that point was you could essentially go black man marrying a white woman or engaging in sexual intercourse with a white woman violates the Man Act. Therefore, you can be subjected to federal charges. Okay. Wow. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it would it could get down on that level with the way it was written. Right. So in 86, they made some changes to it, and for the better, because it actually said that it had to be for sexual activity, which any person could be charged for for a crime. Okay, so it took that, we're just going to look at whether what we call as being moral or amoral, and go, if it's criminal, it fits. If it's not, it doesn't fit this box. Okay. Cool. And it was, it was also really brought in to help address uh, human trafficking as well. So that's how we get part of the federal counts in, right? Because there are no sexual battery counts. Statute of limitations on just about all of them had run. So that would be why the states couldn't, couldn't go after him for those, you know, like if Aliyah's parents came back now, yeah, right. and obviously I know that she's not with us anymore, right? But she couldn't, she or her parents couldn't come back now and go, well, we want to press charges. Now, if it happened in Florida, they could. Florida has no statute of limitations on sexual battery. Most of the other states have, it's varying windows. It's one year, two years, 10 years after they turn 18. It's all over the map. Right. Okay. So that was, the feds had to get creative because A, there's no true federal statute for it, but B, they had a statute of limitations problem. Gotcha. Why was why was he why is he in New York though? Why did any of this did the stuff happen in New York or is it because of the Fed part that he's in New York? I'd have to look up. I didn't look to see why it was gotcha. in any okay. in any given place. Okay, good because I know you got more details. But, I don't want uh, go ahead. So, I don't want to. So stop you. we can jump on on Rico now because that yes. one's that Rico, one's. And like I said, the Rico thing to me. Like I said, again, me watching all these movies, right? There's there's uh, American Gangster, Frank Lucas, there's Al Capone, and it's it's Rico this, it's Rico that, right? It's it's New Jack City, it's Rico this, right? So I'm thinking, when I see it, I'm like, this is like a big-time drug dealer type charge. You know, like dudes I've heard about in D.C. that were owning the state, you know, that type of thing. Where did R. Kelly fit into the Rico thing? Yeah, so think about it like this. Let's take Rico a step back even, right? Like, I grew up in South Jersey. You grew up in, in what, Brooklyn, right? No, the Bronx. Uh, the Bronx. And uh, so we had kind of different ends of Rico, right? So I had all the Italians around in South Jersey with Rico. Right. And, and actually, that's what Rico was originally designed for. The, right. Rico was actually originally designed for to address the mob. Okay. Gotcha. And mostly gambling and, and that kind of thing. What it stands for is racketeering, influence, and corrupt organizations. Right. So what's really interesting is you would take this thing, right? So you had Rico and you have these organizations. So you'd have, um, ah, pick a, I can't think of one of the family names right off the top of my head, but it, any of the family names, just Gambino, pick a gang. Gambino yeah, sounds like okay. it fits. Yeah, that, that works, <laughs> right? So they're the organization. And within that organization, you can pluck out individuals and charge them with Rico, right? But they'd have to fall into that organization. Ah, okay. Okay. Key part to this. What is R. Kelly? Yeah, like... He's just a person. Right. Right? But think about it. Here's your tie back into the music industry, right? And take it out of all of the sex things and everything else. They deem that he himself was an industry. He himself was an organization. And when you think about it as an artist, that's exactly what you are, right? You've created your own organization. Yes, it's you. Yes, it's your name, Right? But your name is the brand. Your right. name the is business. the business. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's not just you. It's the managers. It's, I mean, I was at Gasparilla Music Fest this weekend, right? And you could tell, you could pick the guy out on the stage that was the manager because it was the one that the artist was looking to to make sure that their time was right, to make sure that they were doing the right things. And the same one when they jumped out into the crowd that was like, oh my God, can you get back onto the right. stage and away from everybody? <laughs> right. <laughs> type of thing. So that's your organization. And it's, it's kind of cool 
cool not from a don't get arrested on it standpoint, but cool from a standpoint of you have that ability as an artist to create that organization around you. Right. Now it came and bit R. Kelly in the butt um, because they used that as step one of Rico. Right. And that's how they tied it all in. And Rico has, Rico's, God, it's about seven pages long of right. a statute and it enumerates every different crime that can fall into it. So that brings me back to my original question. Under Rico and R. Kelly being the brand, the organization, as we have put it, the enablers, can they be charged under Rico? Can they or will they? And, and it's two different questions. Okay. Okay. I'll take an answer <laughs> to both. I'll take an answer to both. In this trial, they actually worked through a lot of those pieces and took it from, okay, how did you get from here to here to here to here? Because in a RICO case, you need to be able to build the history so you're allowed to introduce more things into evidence that build the history. Without that, we can't really engage in talking about your bad, prior bad acts, right? It's something that would normally be excluded from us for court. But because for RICO purposes, you have to prove two criminal acts within 10 years, right? Your history is a part of that RICO part, right? And oh, by the way, you have to turn it into an organization as well. Right. So you got to be able to say, okay, I had that manager and that manager got with this person and got this person here. And then later on, this manager got this other person over here to do this. And then after this, this manager got this other person involved to take care of all the paperwork to make sure that that person doesn't ever speak about this again. Right. And that came out in this trial. So will they have enough? Likely, because likely that part of Rico is you can build one case off of the next case, off of the next case, off of the next one, because you're building that history and you're taking pieces from each one. Right. Legally speaking, are they likely going to have enough? I mean, I haven't read the transcripts of the whole trial to figure out if they legally have enough, but I would guess from everything I've read, everything I've heard about it, yeah, they would have enough to go after the enablers. That's the legal analysis. Right. Now, the real-life analysis, I don't think they will. Right. Because what, what benefit are you getting from it? Okay? I mean, from one perspective, these are taxpayer dollars. These are government employees. And there's the next big guy up the chain that they have to go prosecute. Right? Are we going to spend taxpayer dollars on 10-year-old cases to get the enablers? And are we going to make a statement? Are we, go are we going to accomplish what we want to accomplish out of it by going to get the enablers or did we send the message that we needed to send by convicting R. Kelly? And I think, which is a further discussion and you gave us so much clarity. I think that that may be the problem, you know, and, and by that, I, and this is nothing to do with the answer you gave me, right. but that's what I think is the problem that we have to, to work on in the future. And, and again, on the one hand, it's taxpayer dollars, and can you keep digging into something? Because it, 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 and the numbers they give out for these cases and stuff, I'm like, wow, it costs that much, but you get all these people that are gathering evidence, the investigators, this, that, and the third, and it becomes a, a pricey thing. But I think the enablers are just as big of a problem because the enablers, right, once, once they know how to enable, once they know how to enable and cover stuff up, to me, they never stop because the next problem that comes is like, I know how to fix that, or I can fix that. Because once you're a fixer, I mean... Again, again with me with the TV reference. I watched Olivia Pope, right? <laughs> she was a fixer. She fixed things in the government. She would literally go, and this is how this is going to be fixed. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to do. You're going to do. And there, to me, is a bigger problem. You know, R. Kelly problem aside, I'm not going to put anybody to say that they did worse than him because he's actually doing the acts, right, or whatever. But, and 
and maybe in a, in a different sense, it, sh- it could be looked at another way. Like, look, man, somebody's like, it's like you and me. I consider us friends. I consider you really my friend, though. If we're somewhere and I go to do something stupid and you go, Eakin, you shouldn't do that. Right. Not Eakin, go do that. <laughs> that's not, I mean, you know, and that's the enabler. And to me, that is where we are having so many problems in this game. You know what I'm saying? Like, like right. we, we lose Tupac. If someone says to Tupac, in my opinion, bruh. You ain't never getting in no fight. You are the you are the bread and butter, bro. Why why are you even remote? You're not in no gang, bro. Right. Then I think he's still here. I really do believe that. I believe that if someone pulls Tupac to the side and says, "Look, bro, we have to stop." And I'm not saying that he hasn't. No one's ever done that because I believe in the R. Kelly case. Anybody that did that, they got fired. I just believe that. Could you be. Know, I, you know. I, and, but I mean, back to the enabler piece. You know, at what point are, can they even do anything now? Anyway. Right. right. In terms of, do they have anybody to enable anymore? Or have they been with him so long that A, no one's going to touch him again? And B, do they really have the resources to enable somebody else? So is this something that has resolved itself naturally, right, with the conviction of R. Kelly? That they can't go enable again? And are you really reaching the next step enablers? And quite frankly, the court systems are so jammed up and everybody's so jammed up from a case volume perspective right where does it fall in line and and i don't know the answer to that it'd be interesting i think we could have a really good discussion on it if one of the enablers got charged and and went through a trial that would be that would definitely be fun you know i I think there's a lot to this to this the r kelly thing is it's like you said it has so many layers to it you know i think that they're making sure like you said i think once the feds got involved that was to make the statement of you're not getting away again you know, and what is he facing? Fifty to one hundred years, I think, right now. And then he still has other cases and other that they're gonna that you know that he has to go through. So I think freedom for him is a is a. They're making sure that that's not gonna happen anytime soon. He's not gonna be out in our lifetime, nor his. I think he's older than us. <laughs> R. Kelly, man. Oh. So here's here's another question. Yeah. Um. Well, is there is there more to this that we should know? I think you gave us a lot of clarity today, and I'm, I'm glad that that you're able to to take the time out here to have these discussions that I, I, I know you probably sit there going, he wants to talk about this? Because I do. I'm intrigued. <laughs> no, I, I, I find it super intriguing. I mean, you can ask Jason all the time. I'm always like, this is a really bad story, but I, I really love the legal aspect of it because it's really fun. It's, it's, God, it's so terrible to say, right? Because I only get involved in bad things. No one comes to their lawyer when something's going well. Right. Well, we invite you uh, to unless, the barbecue. We invite you to the Super Bowl party. We'll invite you to that. That's right, good stuff. Right, because you want that free phone call. <laughs> <laughs> Dad, he, he knows. He knows. <laughs> well, I, um, well, I think you gave us some clarity. But well, here's here's another one. Sure. Here's a, this one's nothing to do with legal. Legal, right? Is it wrong to listen to his music? You know, it's funny you say that. I forget where the heck I was the other day, and I heard an R. Kelly song come on. I'm like, they're still playing his music? Should, man, should me, I change it? Man, like, let me tell you something right now. I do it sometimes just to see who, who's going to hell that day. Right? <laughs> I do. And I have literally been at a party and dropped ignition. Whole club goes crazy. I'm like, do you not know who this guy is? And I'll say it on the microphone. You are all going to hell right now. And they'd be like, okay, after the song. And... And and I guess musically though I've always thought R. Kelly was special, and I think with me the biggest thing is, and this is a totally off conversation, I have never based 
And I guess nowadays we may have to. I, I can't say that I'm like a. I can't say I'm not an R. Kelly supporter or haven't been like musically for his career, right? Because I think, I think I've bought a few things. But then once I got into this thing professionally, I was given a lot of the, you know, a lot of his product, right? And I even went to R. Kelly's house. Like they when they when everything was going crazy. This is way before the, uh, the uh, the surviving R. Kelly documentary. And I love to tell this story because I thought R. Kelly, I was like, this dude ain't got no money, right? So right. they fly a bunch of us up there, DJs. I remember Drama was there, Big Tigger was there. We're all on this bus. We get off the plane, right? We're on this bus. And we're in this neighborhood. And I'm like, ah, it looks like anybody could live here. And then we turn this corner and R. Kelly owns the whole street. Dude. There's a big, gigantic, like log cabin looking thing at the end. There's tour buses on the street. This is oh, R. Wow. Kelly Street, right? Yeah. We go in the house and I'm like, and this is before like Snapchat ain't popping none of this stuff. But I'm texting my boys. Y'all gonna try to find the pee room. So I'm doing stupid stuff. Like I go to the bathroom, like this ain't it. You know? And I'm not going all over the house, but I'm just, these are the dumb things that are going on in my mind. Cause I'm not thinking it's, it's as crazy as I think it is now. You know right. what I'm saying? But just genius wise, you, you think about all the talent that's wasted, right? I'm sitting on this thing that I don't know is, I don't realize is a stage and sitting next to me is the guy who, have you ever seen Purple Rain? Okay, Purple Rain is the movie about Prince, right? And in this movie, there was a club owner who always was arguing with Prince about what he does on stage and this, that, and the other. This guy's sitting next to me, right? And we're sitting there, and, um, and I realize, I'm like, why do I feel like I'm sitting on a stage? R. Kelly's living room, and they keep playing this thing on, on the screens that's like a ode to Sam Cooke thing. This is how genius this guy was, musically talented. Every year, he does this party in his house. And it's a different theme every year. And just so happens that on this DVD that's playing, it the last one he did was Sam Ode to Sam Cooke. And this dude is singing like you send me, like you think it's Sam Cooke. But this party is everybody dresses up, costume or whatever. I realize that they have this party in this living room area that I'm sitting in. They move all the furniture. I'm basically sitting on a stage. And above me is all the track lighting. And they turn oh, wow. this whole like <laughs> living room area of this house into a sound stage. And it's like 700 a thousand people in here and he's just giving it to him every year this is the kind of talent this guy wasted to me you know what i'm saying yeah. because of this fetish or whatever he has with these younger girls and his control and that sort of thing and so i say all of that to say i'm not even like I, i've gotten so many opinions on whether you shouldn't support a guy like that musically because of what he's done and that's going to be another discussion for another day because i think to me we give these entertainers too much control over our thought process. You know, we had this talk about Nicki Minaj, right? We had this talk about Ja Rule. Nicki Minaj comes out about COVID. I don't give a damn what Nicki Minaj has to say about COVID. Right. I don't. I want real research. I want real <laughs> doctors to talk to. But in this public, though, we just go on what they do and say. They're not the gospel. They're just talented people, yeah. you know, that can do this skill. They can play football. They can do this. And, they, and I think that's one of the things that I want to get out of these discussions, too, is I don't know. You make your own choice of whether you can separate the person from their art or whatever. But don't allow these people to dictate what you think about things that personally should matter to you, like what you eat, you and your health. You should worry about that. Talk to people who care about you and love you, like your parents and your family members. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think you and I have been around, I think, enough people who are famous, right? We've been around yeah. enough people who who have that status as being household names or famous. And sometimes you real sometimes what you see in public is what you really get behind the scenes. Right. And that's great. And sometimes you learn that it's an entirely different thing. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. It doesn't make them a bad artist. It doesn't make them, you know, a bad athlete. It doesn't make them anything. It just makes them someone that I don't want to hang out with. Right. Right. <laughs> so 
I, I'm all for separating the two, right? And I, most people, I, I don't think most people that are listening, and I think most people just in general, don't have the opportunities that we've had to become friends with and know people in that status level to know that there is a difference between the two. There's, there's the public persona right. and there's the private persona. Yeah. I just think, um, you know, the R. Kelly thing, I, I don't know. It's a, it's, a, it's a wild one. It's a wild story all the way around. I, I do say this, though, um, and I want this to be clear. Um, if you're someone that, that's going through that, that sort of thing, and that's either side of it. I think if you are the person that's like R. Kelly and you think you have this fetish or you realize that you're having these patterns, you should get yourself some help right. and not keep looking for victims. Get yourself some help. And on the flip side of that, if you are feeling like you're being victimized, Find a way to get to someone to tell them. And I know some I know and I know this because females have told me it's easier for us to say for them to do than it is to do it. Because, I, you know, I you know, I watch these stories and I'm like, you know, like I'm watching Surviving R. Kelly and dude, I don't know. I don't have a daughter either. Right. But I'm watching the part where mom and dad are like throwing rocks at this window. Right. And they're like their daughter's upstairs and she's peeked out of the window. I don't know. I some kind of way I've been at a concert or something. Somebody got to make some, somebody got to, if my daughter's missing and she's underage, even older age, but I got to know where she's at and know she's right. safe. But if my daughter's missing and she's underage, I'm doing everything. I don't care how famous you are, dude. I'm going everywhere. I know you could be people around you, whatever. And so that, that kind of blew me when I was watching the documentary to watch some of these people go, you know, even some of the women that were enabling that were helping him get younger chicks. I was like, you're just as much at fault at this thing. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I, I, there's there's a difference, and I and I I don't know if I can quantify it or, or make it make any sense. But there just seems to be this difference. And having seen these things in real life, right? Having seen these women in real life from being in law enforcement who are truly stuck, and, and, and it's tough because I still kind of think, well, just just leave, just just walk out the door, even though I know because I've seen it. Right. It's it's not that simple, and I think some of the female enablers may kind of fall under that same thing. And I I I don't know. I don't. I guess I'm not, uh, you know, kind of in the mental space enough to understand the the dynamics behind that. Right. But it's real. It exists. I may not understand it, and I think that makes it tough to go. Well, just just do it, right? Because. If I don't want to do something, I just get up and and I don't do it. But right. there's something else going on. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. I don't. I don't understand what it is. Yeah. And, and I, I think that one of the points you made, too, was we don't know it all, you know, and it's sometimes it's easier to say what we would do until, you know, a lot of people say that they say it's easier to say what you would do until you're actually in that situation. It's like everybody goes, man, if I had the money R. Kelly had, I wouldn't whatever. And then I've heard from people who are in the game. Right. And they go. Or like you've been this high school prodigy in sports, right? You've been hearing yes so long that that doesn't even excite you anymore. So you're looking for the next thing to excite you. Right. And they told me they said, never say what you won't do until you're in this room because you could make some kid right that makes some bullshit ass song and all of a sudden you're sitting next to the guy whose building used to just die to get into and he's sitting next to you and he's got the baddest chicks in the world and he's like go take care of them throw you five thousand because it ain't nothing you like this was never happening to me before and you're a star because of some song you made about mayo on your ham sandwich you don't even know why you know what i'm saying so it's hard to say what you will and won't do but i just say i tell everybody to just to, to keep your circle strong because your circle's got to be able to, and you got to listen to your circle to a certain extent. Yeah. You can't be like, you're fired, you're not in VIP, and your circle can't worry about that. They got to worry about the best interest of what's going on. And you got to follow what you know in your heart, right? I mean, look, I don't care what you offer. You could offer me $5 million to do something that I think is wrong. Keep it. Like, I'm right. good. I'm okay. I'm okay. 
Like you can keep the five mil. Right. You know, so knowing yourself inside, I, I think is important too. And being able to say no to people. There's a lot of people who just can't say no. I think, I don't even know if I have to say anything else after that. I think you ended it quite well with that, man. I, I appreciate you being here, the law father. First, well, and also, too, I wanted to, oh, you want to say something? I, I, I do want to add one thing just on to the, you know, any of the females out there who do need help and who are in a situation, especially here in the Tampa area, there's a place called The Spring and um, 211. So either one of those two places, if you need help, and you're not sure how to do it, the spring actually, they do some really cool things where they will help get you out of the, physically help you get out of the situation and physically come pick you up and move you. And it's it's an undisclosed location that they bring you to and, and there's a lot that goes on. So um, there are there are things out there for people, for Maybe women. Maybe we should have there. them on the pod one day. That's we should fun. have them on the pod that's one day. That's a great day. idea. Yeah, because I didn't know anything about that and, and that's a... That's something we need to know about. Yeah, I, I appreciate you being here. Um, where can they and we got to have you back on to talk more about you, too, as well. Like we got so caught up in our <laughs> Kelly today, which which I'm, I'm glad you were here to, to to explain a lot of things. The law father, I know you are on social media. Um, where else can they find you and, and what else you got going on? So they can find me at the law firm, Frankie Injury Law. Okay. Uh, C-H-I at the end. There you go. There you go. <laughs> um, everywhere on social media, just look for at the law father and the law father podcast as well. Okay. Well, um, he'll be back soon. Um, I'm not sure what other things I can throw on his plate to talk about, but I'm sure somebody will do something stupid that I'll need some clarity on. Um, you know, I, I know I, I know what I want you to Let's. We got to have a discussion one day. We got to have a discussion in have it have you look into the legalities of, of everything that's going on digitally because you got so many rappers and stuff that are crying about facebook and instagram kicking them off and you know you and i were having this discussion earlier yeah. don't we don't own the platform so how are they even wrong you know yeah and, that, that's an honestly that's an interesting interesting thing to look at because there's i think a lot of different moving parts to that okay well he'll be back soon man my guy the law father um that's that's all i want to call you the law father i just like i'm good with that oh okay (laughs) again where can they find you on social media at the law father um it's gonna do it for everybody here at the hip-hop study hall podcast my guy jason at radio influence who doesn't pay attention to nothing i do up here until it's all done and said and i'm supposed to say this about youtube like subscribe all that good stuff i am dj eakin find me at dj eakin oh yeah and if you're at the bucks game just come say hi i'm not buying no sodas i don't do None of that. Uh, maybe if I'm eating French fries, you can have a fry. But I'm not buying those drinks are high out there, man. And I, I, everybody thinks I get things for free at the stadium. I don't. I don't. Not a, well. Gatorade. Oh, there you go. That. But I don't have the. That's 50, a perk. I don't have the 50 yard line seats that Jason gets. But that's a, that's a story <laughs> for another podcast, man. I'll see you soon, man. Hip hop study hall, man. I appreciate my guy, the Law Father, stopping through. Um, we'll have to name this segment soon. We're working on it. I promise. Like in a week, we'll have a name for it because that way, when we post it, it's always got to have a hashtag. Sounds good to me. All right, my dude, man. We'll be back soon. Hip-hop study hall. Boom.